0: You're listening to the Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM with my good self Sharon Noonan. Tonight I have an array of guests to chat to that I hope you will enjoy listening to. Food Eyes Michelle Sherlow has some Northern Ireland food inspiration for us. Connor Heafy, Programme Director at the Michael Smurfit School of Business, has details about the board via Marketing Fellowship. And Chef Barry Liscombe from the award-winning Hearts Gastropop in Kildare has some romantic dining suggestions in time for Valentine's Day this weekend. To get in touch with me here on the show, feel free to drop me an email, s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org, short for organisation. Now, tonight normally we have Sinead Neeland from the County Limerick Organic College, but unfortunately she couldn't make it. So because it is Pancake Tuesday in a week's time, I thought it might be useful to dig out an interview that we did last year with Chef Tom Flavin, which focuses on pancakes. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Tom Flavin, executive chef of the Limerick Strand Hotel is here and he's going to make sure that we all have the perfect pancake themed dinner on the day. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Sharon. How are you? You're going to tell us a little bit about the history of Pancake Tuesday first.
1: Well, the, the history behind it, I think, to be honest, in in my opinion, it came from years ago when people were starting lent and they wanted to use up any of the the niceties and the goodies they had in the fridge so that when Lent starts they're not going to be tempted to eat that bit of chocolate or finish off that bowl of cream that any of the leftovers niceties that were in the fridge were kind of whipped together and put into pancakes and then they started with the the savory pancakes so there might have been a bit of like goat's cheese or onion marmalade or a bit of salad maybe whatever and mix them into one pancake as the savory and then afterwards the strawberries and cream and the Banoffee or whatever, what else it was. Maybe they didn't have banoffee <laughs> back very then. Very
0: exotic <laughs> times. <laughs> that but nowadays, that's, that's
1: kind of what what people do is take all of the the items that they don't want to use for Lent if they're giving up, and put that into the pancake and use it up that way. <laughs>
0: Well, let's talk first about the frying pan. That's how you make them. You make them in the frying pan. What is the the ideal type of frying
1: pan to have? Well, you can get the non-stick pans, but I think the the cast iron pan works just as well as the non-stick pan. The non-stick pans take a lot more to maintain them you know you can't use any steel spatulas or anything with them because you scratch them and they're, they're useless after that but the, the, the actual black wrought iron pan is probably the best in my opinion
0: and a bit of oil or butter what do you recommend I would think
1: butter or oil um, the thing is with butter is you, you can't overheat the pan if it's butter because it will go brown and you need to keep wiping the pan out with some um, kitchen paper um, or if you mix oil and butter together just don't put too much oil just a little drop of oil and then pour it back out into a dish so that you just barely coat the base of the pan. And would
0: you do that with a non-stick pan as well, just to be on the safe side? Just a little bit. Yeah.
1: yeah, a little bit. Well, like, okay. there's different grades of non-stick pans you can get then as well, and there's ones with lower edges to them so that can, you can easily flip the pancake. But if you had anything with it, like a, a sloped edge to it, it doesn't have to be really low, as long as it's not a right angle pan you're using it's easy enough to flip the the pancake over once it hasn't stuck you need to make sure it's released from the bottom of the pan first
0: okay size of pan in terms of diameter
1: 12 inches is usually the you know about the size of a plate you don't want anything that's bigger than your dinner plate it's going to be hanging over the edges
0: (laughs) very hard to flip also i'd say yes
1: yes (laughs) yes but like anything about 10 inches or so would be perfect
0: and your ingredients then
1: for the pancake mix, yes. for, well, the, well yep. I don't know if I can tell you them secrets. No. <laughs> no, a simple pancake mix is about 100 grams of plain flour, two eggs, and beat them together until you get a paste. And then add low-fat milk or semi-skim milk. About 300 milliliters would be sufficient just to bring it to a nice pouring consistency. A pinch of salt and a little bit of oil. You can use olive oil or sunflower oil just to keep it from sticking to the edges of the pan as well. What does the pinch of salt add to it? It just gives that bit of taste it kind of brings all the ingredients together as well
0: okay because you know if, if you're making a sweet
1: you're not pan- going to really taste the salt you know it, it, it's more for it's more to, it combines the egg and the flour and the milk together
0: and if you are going to do savory and sweet pancakes is there anything you could put into the mix to make it more a savory type mix
1: well, you can use a buckwheat flour. That are traditionally in Brittany and France, they used buckwheat flour as a base for the flour for the, for the savoury pancakes, and then they used the plain flour for the sweet pancakes, and they'd add more sugar. You can add sugar into the mix of the sweet pancakes, or the crepe, as they call it in France. Mm-hmm. But the savoury buckwheat flour, is, it's, more of a, it's a harder flour, and has a better bite to it. It's quite nice.
0: And what about gluten-free, then, if somebody wants to do a gluten-free pancake yeah, mix? the very
1: same way, only use the gluten-free flour. You might not have to use as much of the gluten-free flour because it's quite heavy and and hard. But just, I wouldn't be making very big 10-inch pancakes with the gluten-free flour because it becomes quite brittle and it's quite hard to turn it over. But keep them small and maybe a little bit thicker.
0: And you can make that mix up the day before, in the morning, put it in the fridge?
1: Yeah, it's probably best to make it the day before. Like with Yorkshire puddings, you get a nice shine and all the ingredients tend to bind together better. You know, when you're making Yorkshire puddings, if you make the mix the day before or a batter for fish, it's... You get a much better shine in the batter and a crispier batter if you have it the day before. The same applies with pancakes. It's just a nicer finish.
0: Okay, so we have our mix and we have our pan and we've uh, how hot does it need to be before we start pouring the mix in?
1: Well, it does need to be hot. Um, You probably need it on a medium heat. Like heat your pan all over so you're not going to have hot spots at the side of it. One side is going to cook. Faster than the other side. The, ho- the pan needs to be evenly heated. Um, you don't want the oil to splatter. It doesn't. You don't want it really, really hot. When you put the oil in maybe like a mixture of oil and butter, um, pour it out so that it's like it's, it's not going to. It's hot to touch. It's not going to really burn your hand if you put it on the on the surface of the pan. And then pour the mix in. But just pour. Use a little ladle and pour it into the center. And then just swirl the mixture around until you get a soft uh, and even. Um, layer in the pan, quite thin, and it should cook within a minute uh, on each side. One minute on each side. Otherwise, you're going to have brown patches or burnt bits, and it's it's probably too thick.
0: And is there little bubbles or something form on it, so you know it's ready to turn?
1: No. Once you see that, you see the color changing. You see the egg and the flour cooking in front of you you'll see that all the the snow it doesn't move anymore it's quite solid on top and then you can flip it over just make sure it's loose and then you can flip it over you can use a as palette knife or a spatula if you like or you can be adventurous and stick it to the ceiling if you like (laughs) any
0: tips for that tom (laughs) to get it over in one go make sure
1: it's loose in the pan and just (laughs) you know you'll you'll get it you'll get it (laughs) not too
0: high because you don't want it on the ceiling
1: no or on the floor
0: (laughs) and at that point then you could actually start putting your filling in to the side that has been cooked
1: Yeah, you'd want to be quite experienced to be doing it that way now because it's quite difficult to get it out of the pan again. You're much better off to slide it onto a plate, put your filling in it and fold it over. Depending on what your filling is, you know, if if your your filling is hot or cold or whatever, you're not going to be putting your cold filling into a hot pan. You know, you you won't be putting your strawberries and whipped cream into the hot pan. Yeah, that's true. Okay,
0: but maybe if we were doing savoury first. Yes, if you were doing savoury first. I think it's a good idea for people to actually use pancake juice. They have the pancakes for the main course and for the dessert as opposed to having the normal dinner and then having the pancakes for dessert. Oh
1: yeah, because they're so heavy. You know, You like you like there was years ago when we were going to school to see who could keep coming and the day after seeing how many did you <laughs> eat, how many did you eat. And <laughs> <bloop>. <laughs> yes yeah. But nowadays we're trying to cut back on the carbs we're <laughs> eating less and less. So yeah, um, maybe a, a salad or you can put, you know, you can put seafood, you can put, like the list is endless. You look in your fridge and see what's there and roasted veg and chicken from Sunday roast.
0: Exactly, because in. as you said at the start of the interview, it, it, it traditionally, it was about using up what using was up the in yeah, the well, pantry. Not
1: as so much the leftovers, but using up the items that you're not going to be eating and for the rest of lunch Yeah.
0: I'd be a great fan now of the cheese and the black pepper because in France, obviously, you would, you'd get yeah. the crepe mm. fromage and I'd really enjoy that.
1: Fabulous. Yeah, yeah.
0: So even maybe a bit of blue cheese would be nice as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. Just a little bit of blue cheese, um, some walnuts, some rocket salad. You know
0: and if you wanted to make the pancakes green you can put spinach into it and blitz oh, yeah. it all up yeah. which is quite a, a great way of getting spinach yeah. into kids
1: and another healthy one i heard today um was two eggs and two bananas blended i haven't tried this now so <laughs> i hope this works two eggs and two bananas and blend them really really fine and pour it into a pancake pour it into the pan as you're making a pancake you need it a little bit thicker than you would a normal pancake the same thing, one minute each side, and Clarence says it's to die for.
0: Okay, great. And then the the sweet options, obviously, the cream, the sugar, the lemon, the jam are all very traditional. And you've actually brought in a nice jam one. Is yeah, this jam secret is ingredient favorite.
1: jam? That's, that is, that is uh, yeah, that's the, the raspberry jam. Oh. That's my favorite, to be honest, a little sprinkling sugar. But I like to, the granulated sugar because you have to get them crisp, crusty little chunks of sugar Um, but I brought in another one there the banoffee roulade
0: yes tell us about this now
1: this is one of the new desserts in the in the cafe it's two of the most popular desserts that we've combined it together it's the banoffee pie and the um, Italian meringue roulade so we do the chocolate meringue um, layers of toffee cream banana sliced rolled into a roulade it's good Mm.
0: it's very good Tom (laughs) very good and of course the Nutella I'd say is another very popular one just spread
1: Jack and May's it. favourite
0: yeah now, I wanted to ask you about crepe Suzette mm-hmm. because I'd imagine if we're making the pancakes like this we're not too far away from making a, a crepe Suzette what is in it,
1: it the, well it's just it's an orange based sauce really and the crepes then are reheated put back into the sauce um, it's orange juice orange um, segments some, a little bit of lemon juice and rind um, caster sugar and then there's an alcohol usually grammania or quantro, but you can use brandy if you don't have that at home um, um, butter and that's it and just a little bit of extra grammania then to flame it afterwards if you are going to dare
0: Okay, lovely, because it's the sort of dessert people might want to do after a dinner party. It doesn't just have to be Just a little bit of
1: butter, add your sugar um, and your orange juice, just melt the sugar and make it it come like a little sauce. Add your orange zest to that and your um, gramani or Cointreau and then fold your pancakes into, probably fold it over in half and then into quarter, drop it into the sauce and just let it absorb the juices. That's it, with a little bit of homemade vanilla ice cream.
0: Do you light it at any point? Yeah,
1: you can deglaze it. Yeah, yeah, you can flambe it, but just be careful. Mind your eyebrows.
0: (laughs) All right, that's great, Tom. Thanks a million for the samples. I'll go off and enjoy these and happy Pancake Tuesday. Cheers, thank you. (laughs) Cheers. Chin chin.
1: Salut. Sláinte.
0: That was the interview with Tom Flavin that was recorded last year about pancakes and I hope it has provided you with lots of inspiration for next Tuesday. Still to come tonight, Conor Heafy, Programme Director at the Michael Smurfit School of Business, has details about the Board BIA Marketing Fellowship, and Chef Barry Liscombe from the award-winning Hearts Gastropub in Kildare has some romantic dining suggestions in time for Valentine's Day this weekend. Next, though, I'm delighted to go over to the phone to chat to fellow Northern Irelander, Michelle Sherlow, who is the CEO of Food NI, and she's going to talk a bit about the food scene in the north. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Michelle, thanks for joining me this evening. You're very welcome. And the first question that I want to ask you is, what were your top food and drink finds for 2014?
2: That's a pretty hard question to answer because there were so many. Um, I think the best finds for 2014 were the... um, some of the new producers that came through in the Great Taste Awards um, there were some fantastic products there that I hadn't heard about so um, I went off to source them and try them out and they were absolutely fantastic some things like um, caramel with pollen uh, made from Abernethy butter and um, some new flavors of Glastry ice cream oh I have to mention short cross gin in moderation that's fantastic um, and some of the new beers that are out in the market as well.
0: And of course, Northern Ireland did completely clean up in the Great Taste Awards last year.
2: I can't believe it. We got eight of the top 50 foods in the UK. It's just phenomenal. I think that's comparable to a region the size of London.
0: And of course, we can't mention the Great Taste Awards in Northern Ireland without mentioning and
2: Meats. Definitely not. I was very lucky. I got a visit to his salt chamber recently. It was very, very interesting, um, but what stayed with me more than anything was the smell in the salt chamber, because there really wasn't any smell, there were racks and racks of beautiful top quality beef. It actually had a slight uh, hint of hay smell around it, it was beautiful and fresh and clean, and um, Peter was showing us the uh, salt wall, uh, and we were just blown away. And Then we got a chance to go to his shop, which is brilliant, because then you can take top quality restaurant meat home and eat it. And um, I have to say, although I look after a lot of restaurants, I'm very fond of home cooking as well, and there's nothing like going to Peter Hannon's, getting some fantastic beef and coming home and sticking it in the oven.
0: And tell us, what did you buy that day and bring home?
2: Um, I bought, bought quite a lot.
0: <laughs> Spoiled for joys.
2: Yes, <laughs> I bought quite a lot. The one thing that I tried for the first time, which was new, was his uh, bacon ribs, which have a sweet cure on them, and they're just one of those things that you cook them slow in the oven, and you end up with very messy face and hands when you're eating them, but they're absolutely beautiful and, and taste really different.
0: Now, if somebody is coming to Northern Ireland, there are so many great food producers there. What resources are available to give them a guide to help them plan before their trip and maybe something that they can refer to whenever they're there to make sure that they don't miss out on anything?
2: Well, Food and I bring out a producer's guide um, and it lists about 150 artisan producers um, and that's available from uh, nigoodfood.com if you want to ask us for that. Also, people can have a look at the website, um, but if you want to eat out and eat good local, local produce, I would definitely recommend that people pick up the Taste of Ulster Guide. It has really grown in the last three or four years. Um, we have 150 fantastic restaurants in it that are uh, featuring local produce, and people are now saying to us, you know, Northern Ireland is becoming a real great food destination for eating out. The competition between the chefs in both Belfast and Derry is fantastic, um, and the standards just keep rising all the time.
0: And that's a good handy size guide. I believe it's like the size of the palm of your hand.
2: It is a good handy size. It can fit in the pocket of the car, or you know, in in, in a bag, and um, you can leaf through it and enjoy leafing through the, what the restaurants do. And it gives you a bit of information on the, their kind of signature dishes, um, as well as you know their opening hours and, and how to contact them.
0: And what are your top food-related tips for somebody that's coming to visit Northern Ireland?
2: If you're, if you're visiting uh, Belfast, uh, I would say that you have to call in and see. Um, you've got to call in to Ox. It's really cutting-edge in terms of, of restaurants. Um, a Very, very interesting menu. Use of lots of different fermented vegetables. And we've had a lot of food journalists coming over to Northern Ireland just to visit it. Still a favourite of mine is James Street South, which has just been beautifully uh, renovated. And a very interesting new restaurant has opened up on the Lisburn Road. And if you like beautiful interiors, I'd have to recommend Sapphire. Uh, it's in an old church, but inside it's just so opulent and they've really gone to town and all of the decor. But not to leave out Derry, um, if you're going up to Derry... You must go to Browns, one of the Browns, either the Champagne Lounge or Browns in town. Highly recommend um, the City Olive. Uh, And there's actually loads of great places now in Derry where you can go out and have a great meal.
0: OK, and in terms of food events then, there's an event coming up in February that you're going to tell us about.
2: Yes, um, in February we have a focus on food conference, uh, which is being organised uh, with the Tourist Board and Belfast City Council. And we're absolutely amazed. It's taken place in St. George's Market. Now, we're still about a month away, or about three weeks away from the conference. Um, We've got 130 delegates from the industry registered. It's got a number of keynote speakers. Uh, One of the speakers is coming from Sweden and is going to talk about food tourism. But a couple of people from Northern Ireland who've left these shores and gone off and have now come back wanting to promote our local food. Uh, For example, uh, Joe Warwick, who's a journalist, and James McIntosh, who is from but has spent a lot of time on Chinese television and is very passionate about promoting local produce. But it's just fantastic. We've got 130 chefs and producers coming out to hear what they are going to say about making Northern Ireland a food destination in the future. So Focus on Food is a free event. If you want to find out more information about it, go on to nigoodfood.com and you can register via the link on that site. It is focused on industry professionals. Uh, and I would highly recommend anybody who's got a serious interest in food to think carefully about making the journey to go and see it.
0: Now, finally, before you go, Michelle, you have a favourite recipe that uses Northern Ireland produce that you're going to share with us this evening.
2: Well, can I just say I don't exactly have a favourite recipe, but I've got a favourite approach um, that I would like to share with uh, the listeners um, I'm a great believer in, uh, I suppose, having an, e- having an easy time when it comes to entertaining. And recently I had some friends round and there was a bit short of time, didn't know what to do. So went out to the Poacher's Pocket, which is a fantastic farm shop just outside Cumber. And I bought some beautiful balsamic vinegars from uh, Burn Balsamics, which is a new company started up round Hinge. So from the starter, I had... Um, balsamic vinegars and bread. For the main course, I had some uh, Peter uh, Peter Hammond's beef, and then for uh, dessert, I had three flavours of Glastiform ice cream with the, the um, salted caramel uh, topping from On Plast Foods. And then, because I'm lucky enough to live beside a chocolatier in Seinfeld called Norman Brown, I went around and bought some of our handmade chocolates, and Oh, I forgot, I did have some local cheeses as well. <laughs> so I had the um, Kearney Blue, uh, which is, is a beautiful cheese. It has a round on it. Um, then I got some Leggy Gowan, and I was able to make up a local cheese board just from local cheeses.
0: So that sounds like a real feast <laughs> of fabulous Northern Ireland produce.
2: It was wonderful because um, my friends were not familiar with quite a lot of the products that we used. Um, or that, that we put on the table because be ta- to be honest they didn't do an awful lot of cooking but um, they were really blown away by some of the things that are coming out of Northern Ireland now for example the balsamic vinegars just were beautiful and, um, and the cheeses they had heard of them before so it was a great evening great talking point and best of all I, I didn't have to do an awful lot of work
0: that sounds like the best tonight now and I'm sure there was a bit of short cross gin in the middle of all that as well.
2: I'm scared to mention the short cross gin again but there was actually and um, I know a lot of people were buying short cross gin for Christmas presents this year which was really lovely. Um, we were also told by Burren Balsamics that you can use some of the balsamic vinegars with Prosecco um, but I didn't experiment that far that evening but I'll try that again in the future.
0: It sounds like a plan. Michelle, you're very good to come on this evening. I really appreciate you taking the time out and for sharing all your Northern Irish information and expertise there. And I hope you'll come on to the show again soon in the future.
2: Thank you very much. Be delighted.
0: You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. So, what do you like in your pancakes? I'll have some banana and some chocolatey Nutella spread in mine, please.
2: Lemon, sugar and fresh cream. I like the traditional pancake with lemon and sugar. Maybe a bit of ice cream, but lemon and sugar is my favourite. Lots of sugar,
3: um, lots of lemon juice and some syrup. Chocolate.
4: I like bananas and cream and chocolate and chocolate flake and custard.
0: Banana. Chocolate. Strawberries.
3: Nutella. Nutella. Sugar. Um, chocolate. Gravy.
0: You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, I was talking to Michelle Shirlow, who is the CEO of Food NI, and we were having a lovely chat about all things Northern Irish. Never fear if you miss some of the show, as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week, along with all of last year's shows. A very therapeutic listen, I was told. You'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show. Next, we're staying with the phones and we're going to talk to Connor Heafy, who is the Programme Director at the Michael Smurfit School of Business about the Board BIA Marketing Fellowship. Cheers. Chin-chin.
1: Salud. Sláinte.
0: Connor, thanks for joining me on the phone this evening.
3: Hi, Sharon. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I want to ask you, what is the Board BIA Marketing Fellowship?
3: So, um, this is a programme... Um, and it's uh, all about helping on the Irish food industry. It's a highly progressive initiative and and a real credit of Borbia. I must say, it has two key aims of the fellowship. One is to help Irish food and drink companies, small and large, to grow their exports to key international markets. Uh, And two is to develop a pipeline of business talent um, uh, that's available for the Irish food industry and there's certainly high hopes for at least some of these people becoming the next industry leaders.
0: Now, you said there about growing exports, so presumably the fellowship does involve time outside of Ireland?
3: Yes, correct. So, um, the programme involves a certain amount of classroom-based modules uh, and professional skills training that are delivered in blocks here at UC Smurfit School, but the vast majority of, of, the, of the participants' time on this programme is spent abroad in one of 12 key locations, and and they complete assignment work for Four Irish uh, food, food and drink company. Each of each participant undertakes um, commer- commercial assignments, uh, all based around uh, developing international business. And uh, some of the work involves investigation and market research in order to properly understand the local market. Uh, and then it's primarily about trying to win contracts with the likes of the retail chain, chains and manufacturing customers abroad. And the impact. We, we, there was a, a recent study done. And it showed that one cohort of our participants had uh, contributed additional sales for client companies, Irish food, food drink companies in the region of 30 million, over a, over, a three million uh, over a three year period. So it's having quite a positive impact uh, immediately in the short term in terms of sales. And then there's a longer uh, in positive impact in terms of talent that's available to the food industry.
0: So there's huge benefits here to the individual from a personal development, career development perspective as well as obviously the company and sales and that all in turn is great for the Irish economy.
3: Yeah, there's a very strong focus on professional development of our participants so um, and career prospects are excellent from the programme. To date we've had uh, around 150 participants through the process the vast majority of, of whom are, are now working in in Irish food sector and very good jobs and, and making a real impact.
0: So let's talk about the type of people that you want to apply for this. There's 30 places in total. What is the criteria in terms of personal attributes, experience and qualifications?
3: Yeah, so we're recruiting for two programmes. Uh, there's the Board Marketing Fellowship programme and there's the Argent Green Ambassadors, which is an MSc in Sustainability. Uh, business Sustainability and we're looking for people with a minimum of two or three years professional experience not necessarily from, from a food background and, and they complete um, either the Fellowship Programme which is an MSc in International market, pra- market Practice or the Origin Green Ambassadors Programme which is the MSc in Business Sustainability all the details are on our website which I'll give to you shortly and um, as I said the, the programme combines classroom based learning along with substantial overseas experience uh, with with food uh, food food and drink companies, uh, and I should say that tuition fees are paid, uh, and even for participants are given a bursary uh, to live off uh, during their time on the program. So the scholarship, both programs are scholarship programs, and a fantastic opportunity to um, fast track uh, people's careers within the, the Irish food industry, which is uh, which is doing fantastically well in recent in recent times.
0: So it's a 12-month program. When does it start?
3: Yeah, well, the fellowship program is a 12-month program. The, the Argent Green Ambassador Programme is a, is a two-year program. Um, the, uh, it's, uh, the fellowship kicks off in June, this coming June. Um, applications for both programs are, uh, the deadline is the 5th of March, and submitting your application is quite straightforward. Uh, all the details are on smurfetschool.ie slash BF.
0: Well, it certainly sounds like a wonderful opportunity. If only I was 20 years younger and (laughs) child-free and husband-free. It's definitely something that I would love to undertake. And I'm sure competition is fierce for it when there's only 30 places.
3: Uh, It is, yeah. But I I wouldn't like that to turn anybody off applying. I mean, we're looking for people who are independent and resourceful uh, and above all committed to a career in the Irish food industry and, and I guess willing to... To move abroad for uh, for a, at least a, a period of time, um, a minimum of a year, I guess. Uh, we're particularly interested, I might add, as well in p- people who have fluency in um, the likes of German and French, Polish, Russian, Chinese. Um, and uh, but that's not an, an absolute requirement. We are looking. Uh, we do have English-speaking locations such as New York, London. Um, Dubai, English does the job fine for Stockholm and Amsterdam as well, and those locations. So, um, we're looking for people to apply, um, uh, and um, we'd encourage people to apply. It's a fantastic opportunity, and uh, you never know. It is competitive, but. Um, um, often it's often the case that people don't think they'll, they'll get on and, and in fact they do so I'd encourage people to apply at least and it's quite straightforward.
0: And the companies that take part then, are they the big names the big names in Irish food and drink companies that everybody knows?
3: Yeah, it, well it, it includes the the, the the big players such as Mary Group, Glamby, Irish Dairy Board and across the board but it also includes medium and small companies too and we try to give participants a, a broad range of uh, experience, working for small, medium, and large companies across the various sectors within the food industry.
0: Okay, so presumably, then, at the end of it, hopefully, there is. If if you've done a good job, there's no reason why there shouldn't be a job there for you.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, many of the participants uh, are hired by their client companies um, uh, from the program. Um, and others go and work for other Irish food companies. Um, but the vast majority, uh, anybody who wants to, who, who goes through the programme, um, has a fantastic opportunity to stay on. And they all do, in fact, stay on um, in in good good food jobs.
0: Well, it's been great to talk to you about it. As you said there, the deadline is the 5th of March, and all the details are on the website.
3: Sure. smurfittschools.ie slash board BIA. And if anyone has any queries, our contact details are on it, and we can we'd be delighted to take any calls on that. If anyone needs any help,
0: great. Thanks for talking to me, Connor.
3: Thanks very much, Sharon. Thanks for having me.
0: You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. So what do you like in your pancakes? I'll have some banana and some chocolatey Nutella spread in mine, please.
2: Lemon, sugar and fresh cream. I like the traditional pancake with lemon and sugar. Maybe a bit of ice cream, but lemon and sugar is my favourite. Lots of
3: sugar, um, lots of lemon juice and some syrup. Chocolate.
4: I like bananas and cream and yeah. chocolate and chocolate flake and custard.
2: Banana, chocolate,
3: strawberries. Nutella. Nutella. Sugar. Um, chocolate. Yes, Gravy.
0: Listening to the best possible on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan, and just before the break, program director at the Michael Smurfit Graduate School of Business, Conor Heafy, was talking about the Board BM Marketing Fellowship that is currently open to applicants. Sounds like a really wonderful opportunity. So best of luck if you decide to apply. We're going to turn our attention to romantic dining now and we're going to get some recipe ideas thanks to chef Barry Liscombe from the award-winning Hearts Gastro Pub in Kildare. Barry joins me from Kildare on the phone.
2: Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up.
0: Delicious. Mmm. Barry, good to have you on the show this evening.
4: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And you have two lovely dishes that you're going to share all the recipe details with, um, or all the recipe details of, I should say, with the listeners. Tell us what they are.
4: I do indeed. Well, first off, um, just to start you off, I'm going to be doing a Clare Island organic salmon um, grilled with chorizo, fennel and a white wine butter sauce. And then to follow on from that, I'll be doing, which the ladies are going to love, is a white chocolate Malteser mousse. Uh, we can't keep this in the restaurant; it flies out, and it's two or three ingredients, and it's five minutes, and it's done.
0: Now so. the, the only problem with this, Barry, is that you're not in the studio here sharing samples of these dishes with me.
4: I know. Yeah. <laughs> if only I could send them down the line. I
0: know. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah. So you've chosen these dishes because they're both fairly straightforward, and anybody can make them at home.
4: Exactly. Exactly. I chose I chose a fish, basically, you know, being Valentine's uh, fish is a di- it's a it's a delicate thing you know It's a, it, I think if, if if the guys are going to be cooking at home they want to show their sensitive side so leave the steaks and the, you know the, the red meat aside and show that they can cook more delicate things and salmon being salmon it's it's more robust than a fish so it's it lends itself better to um, you know to, to not going wrong but it, it's a bit more lenient than other fish so it's less temperamental so there's less to go wrong with it um, and then obviously the chorizo it's fiery it's um you know to, to give it that it's red, it's passionate just to give that kind of a a flair to your valentine's meal
0: very unusual to put salmon and chorizo together i would have thought
4: yeah um well we've been doing it for quite a while and it's it's kind of a thing now where i think you're finding a lot of places saying right you have your meat and you have your fish but why not mix them up i mean you'll see pork belly with scallops a lot now you're surfing turf your meat and your beef and your prawns so we just thought why not shrito and the, you know, if it, we we put shorizo a lot with fish, we'd put it with hake or with um stone bass or with monkfish. It, it goes fabulously well. Especially with the salmon. I find it it's it's a great um it's a great accompaniment for it.
0: And whenever the, the shopper is going to buy the ingredients, what advice would you give them in terms of choosing salmon?
4: Well basically what I would say would be always go for organic um, your Clare Island organic salmon would be the top one. It's one we always use. Um, there's no comparison um, as far as flavour and yield as well. You get you get much more yield out of fish. Um, it may cost you a couple of pence more, but you know for these special occasions, it's, it's definitely worth just going that little extra step.
0: And is it uh, is it can it be found in the supermarkets, or do you really need to go to the fishmonger for it?
4: It would be more of a fishmonger thing. Yeah, I'd say you'll find them in any local fishmonger around. Um, you'll find them also in a couple of specialty shops but I, I'm sure a few a few of the supermarkets would stock it but I would certainly say um, th- to support the fishmonger as well it would be you know th- I would definitely take out
0: and is it salmon fillets or salmon steaks uh,
4: salmon fillets yeah now mm-hmm. you can get your your fishmonger to do them up for you or you can try it yourself I would recommend getting your fishmonger to do it for you uh, just to, he'll sell them up for you in a nice say about five six ounce portions which is perfect uh, one person, and I, do, I would recommend your fishmonger do that.
0: Okay, so that's the main part of the dish that you have yeah. to buy. What other ingredients then, as well uh, as the chorizo?
4: Right with the chorizo, we're going to we're going to need fennel seeds. We're going to need some um, uh, real butter, some uh, Kerrygold butter, and also a nice good white wine. Um, a couple of stems of nice purple broccoli and a nice few leaves of fennel. And basically, what you're going to do is. You're just going to grill your salmon um, underneath your uh, grill, just about 180, for about 10 minutes, about five minutes on each side, depending on the thickness, obviously. Um, And then just literally before it's, it's about two or three minutes before it's finished, you're going to to put the chorizo in there, the fennel uh, the broccoli and the fennel seeds with a bit of the butter, and you're going to let that cook out. The vegetables will cook in the juices of the salmon with the chorizo and with the butter. And then when that's finished, you take the salmon out of the dish, you transfer the ingredients into a pot, um, add your white wine, reduce it down a little bit, and then you've got yourself your lovely sauce to go with your salmon. So you're basically you've got a, your grill plate, one pot, and then that's it. There's no real other, um, there's no more pots or pans to be thrown around your kitchen. There's it? worse, I think, than when you're cooking at home, especially if you're cooking for your, for your better half, to have three or four pans going at the one time. More to burn, you know yourself.
0: And I think, especially whenever it's maybe the, the the half that doesn't do most of the cooking, they do tend to make more of a mess. Yeah.
3: Um Well, what I'd say is,
4: uh, I I find that kind of I don't know maybe it's me to my feminine side. I'd find the 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 mess as well. The effort is the romantic part. I okay. Think okay. It's,
3: um, okay. You know, it's, it's, uh,
4: maybe maybe it's just me being an old romantic. But the, the more effort that's gone into it, regardless of how the meal turns out, I think you know, shows how much you're, you're trying as well, although no one wants to eat burnt food, of course. But um, Definitely, I've kept it down to just two, just one or two simple techniques. You're just going to grill the fish, and then you're just going to cook in one pan, and that's it.
0: When you grill the fish, then, if you have skin on it, skin side first, or not, or does it not matter?
4: No, well, what I would do is, is a little technique I find, if you love your crispy skin, if, if you don't like skin, just take it off and then just grill it without but if you like crispy skin i think it really adds to the dish you're going to put it skin side down first on the hot on the hot side of the tray you're using and what'll happen then is it'll start to kind of crisp on the on the on that side and then you're going to turn it over and then it'll crisp up but if you put it skin side up first it'll tend to bubble and then you'll get little uh, the, the bubbles start to burn and you won't get an even crisp skin where if you turn it skin side down first the first five minutes and then burn it you'll get a nice even crispy skin
0: So can I do this in like a casserole dish and put it under the grill?
4: You can indeed yeah okay. there's no reason why you can't yeah I'd recommend something heavy bottomed rather than Um, I know uh, normal uh, household ovens they come in it's like a very thin sort of baking tray I'd avoid them I'd say a casserole dish would be perfect or just a heavy uh, heavy based uh, pan even
0: so and it has to be a non-stick one then if you want the skin you don't want the skin yeah. to stick to it.
4: Yeah, there's a technique, Now, we do in the restaurant we don't use non-stick pans for fish there's a technique to get this to have the fish not stick but for at home you'd be best off and if you don't have a non-stick pantry, you you, you get one very you get one very easily down in your local supermarkets for 10 euro even and just you just want something small nothing too major but just to alleviate any uh, room for error I would definitely recommend a non-stick
0: And do you season the fish beforehand with a bit of salt and pepper?
4: We do indeed, yes. I would salt, now this is a little thing just for myself, I wouldn't season salt, or sorry, season salmon or any fish with pepper. Um, It can be a bit harsh, and especially since I'll be adding chorizo, So with this I'd give it that spicy kick. I'd leave out the pepper and just a little bit of salt. And just literally before you're about to put it on the pan, not before, um, because what the salt will do is it'll it'll extract all the moisture from the fish. So just literally just before a sprinkle in sea salt
0: and the chorizo then are you cutting it into discs at an yep. angle
4: yeah cut them out it's, it's it's all aesthetic so you can cut them at an angle you can cut them what I would recommend though is don't cut them too thick chorizo can be quite tough as any kind of charcuterie can be so nice and thin say about um, say the thickness of a, of a ruler basically about a millimetre or two thick and you can cut them at an angle if you want to get a nice shape you can kind of stand them up on the salmon or just as nice rounds like a pepperoni and just this, yeah. And they literally they, it cooks so quick. Two minutes before the fish is done.
0: Do you take the skin off the chorizo or just leave it on?
4: Oh, leave it on, leave it on. Yeah, it's a very it's a very mild skin. It doesn't really once um, it's just cooked, it's barely noticeable. It's like a skin on a sausage.
0: Okay, so we put the fish in, and then towards the end we're adding in the the fennel seeds and the chorizo and all of that and then whenever exactly. the fish is cooked we're putting all those bits and pieces into the
4: into the pan yeah and then once once they come to the boil then add in add in your white wine and then just just it would only the vegetables are pretty much cooked so you just want to bring it to a, bring it to a boil add your wine reduce for five minutes and then add in about a table about a teaspoon of uh, butter and then just whisk that in very quick with a fork and that'll emulsify into the white wine and the juice of shrizo. And you'll get a beautiful... I'll even send a put a picture of this dish up so people can get an idea of the what I'm talking about. You get a lovely, rich, red, kind of fiery, buttery uh, sauce.
0: And you can serve that then with a few baby-boiled potatoes or a yeah. green salad or whatever takes your fancy?
4: I would I would recommend... Yeah, whatever you fancy yourself. Even haricot beans would be lovely with it or chickpeas even are very nice if you want to go with a little bit different. Uh, baby potatoes, um, a nice green salad. Um, I'd recommend just being Valentine's Day I wouldn't go too much with the starches. I'd keep it, especially if you're doing maybe a chocolate dessert. All the, um, you know, all the better halves I love their bit of chocolate. You know, so that can be quite heavy. So I'd kind of, I'd keep, steer away from the starches for the main course.
0: Well, let's talk about that chocolate dessert now because it does yeah. sound divine. White chocolate and Malteser mousse.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's an absolute winner, winner. Um, I came across this when I was training for, from a chef and uh, blown away by simplicity, basically, and we had it on in the restaurant and I t- we we couldn't keep it in. It just absolutely flies out the door. Um, it's basically, what you're gonna need is, for two people, 200 grams of white chocolate, a simple bar of cooking chocolate, 200 um, millilitres of fresh cream, um, two egg whites and a packet of Maltesers. And that's it, there's your ingredients. Um, it's a very easy dish to make you're basically you want to whisk up your egg whites just until they're about stiff peaks it won't take you too long um, if you have an electric mixer all the better but no harm getting a bit of elbow, elbow grease in there whisk up the soft peaks set them aside for a moment and you're basically just going to melt your chocolate um, over um, in a container over some uh, over some boiling water or you can't you can't put it in the microwave either or and once that's done, you're just going to semi-whip the cream. So it's just semi semi-whipped. You're basically just going to fold that into the chocolate, and then fold the egg whites into the into that mix. Bash up a few Maltesers, whisk them in, and then just sit them in some nice martini glasses or some nice um, wine glasses, and there's your dessert.
0: And that's it.
4: That's it. It's as simple as that. It's the most simple. I say it's the most for ratio of popularity to simplicity it's the it's the most simplistic dessert we've ever done and it's the most popular as well
0: whenever you said about whisking up the egg whites there um yeah. do you have to be able to put the bowl over your head and they don't fall out of the bowl is oh, that no, when they're you, ready you
4: know, you, no you wouldn't have to go that far you'd okay. be go more towards the meringue so you all you want is a couple say like um bat bat bubbles almost to that kind of you want to still to be able to pick it up and kind of wobble it okay all all the egg whites are going to do you don't even need them but the egg whites are going to make it lighter it's going to give it the lightness um, to the texture so if you whisk them up too much you'll get much more of a kind of meringue more dense texture if you whisk them up too much so basically just until they're soft peaks and they're kind of falling by themselves you put it over your head I I wouldn't even try it I don't think I've ever tried it not even in the kitchen Um, but definitely does just, just soft speaks.
0: and the egg whites some people might say oh that's raw egg and that but does the heat from the chocolate counteract um, the, that? The,
4: the heat from the chocolate would counteract that um, it wouldn't really be much of an issue um, it would be more the, the yolks would be you know the, the more of the dangerous part Okay. Prote- the proteins in the egg whites would be fine if you are if you're not sure what you can do is if you want to this it's called an Italian meringue whereby you boil up some sugar and a little bit of water and then while it's still at boiling point you, you whisk that very quickly into your egg whites and that'll cook your egg whites but not render them like a fried egg and you can slowly whisk that in and that'll cook out your egg whites if you're if you're a little bit more conscious say if you're pregnant and like that, and you don't want to take the risk okay. that's something you could do I can put that on the website as well
0: Perfect and which you're going to put it up on the Facebook page which yeah, is
4: I have uh, the, the her uh, Barren Grill Facebook page um, just facebook.com forward slash Hearts Barren Grill or you can find us on Twitter as well at, heart, at hearts underscore Kildare or you can find my own Twitter which is uh, Barry at Hearts um, and I'll have them up on both and there'll be a, a few other recipes as well there leading up to Valentine's uh, up the week up to it just to help especially help the lads out and uh, with a, bit with a bit of a cooker make sure they get a spill poop and, and made over if
0: they can Brilliant Barry two fantastic recipes good luck to anybody out there that's going to to give them a lash and a happy Valentine's Day
4: Happy
0: Valentine's Day to you too and I
1: hope you're, you're treated to a wonderful night Cheers Chin Chin Salut
0: Great to chat to Barry there and if you are opting to head out this Saturday as opposed to a cosy night in have a great one Time for some event info now. Yvonne Cardi, a.k.a. Hay Pesto in Tullamore County Offaly, has a fabulous fish night today week. That's the 17th of February. Check out Yvonne's website, haypesto.ie, for details. In County Kerry at Mark Doe's Cookery School, Just Cooking, tomorrow night it's come dine with me. And coming up on the schedule there in Fiery's, I noticed a curry night and a slow cook one pot wonder demo. So visit justcooking.ie for info. In Limerick and Waterford, Hook and Ladder have a range of courses coming up, some of which are focusing on kids baking and bread making. Everything you need to know can be found on hookandladder.ie. Paul Flynn's Cookery School at the Tannery in Dungarvan, County Waterford, has some interesting courses coming up, including a Cocktails and Tapas Evenings, which I very much like the sound of, but I think it could be sold out, so it's worth checking out the Tannery's website, www.tannery.ie, for info on upcoming courses if you don't want to miss out. If you have an event coming up, it might be a cookery demo, a product launch or even a fundraiser. Be sure to send me details to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll be only too delighted to give them a shout out here on The Diary on Best Possible Taste. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks so much for your company and to all of tonight's guests. Michelle Sherlow. Connor Heafy, Tom Flavin and Barry Liscombe. Remember the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show if you missed any of the show tonight. Next week, Ron Forrestal is set to return with his wine slot so perhaps I should conclude tonight with slantje, but I won't. Bon appétit!